You're listening to Minutia Men. But first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. Coming up on Nude Hippo, the podcast, I talk to a couple of funny guys. Funny? What do you mean funny? Funny like a clown? Do I amuse you? Do we make you laugh? <laughs> Rich Coes as Fenguli, Jim Roach as... Uh, nobody important. <laughs> Nude Hippo, the podcast. Only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radio Misfits. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Dog porn. A Minutia Men Minutia quiz. Just one bad century, we talk about Leo DeRocher. I talk about my brush with Valerie Harper. And our celebrity guest, Eric Soderholm, former Chicago White Sox. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. (laughs) That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia, Minutia Man, Man with Rick and Dave. <laughs> oh, I have missed yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you. I have Thank missed you. that. Should I say, oh, blimey. Oh, Governor. <laughs> blimey. Dave is back from uh, jolly old England. Yeah. You know, uh, our... our, our uh, our diehard fans probably mm-hmm. didn't know that you were gone. Because we'd cut three shows. Because we're the, like machines. Yeah. We're like, you know how in a game show, when you're on a game show, they tell you to bring like five different shirts? Right. And that's what we did. Yeah. And what I did is I actually took my shirts on and off <laughs> yeah. for yeah. doing the each podcast. Which I can't get out of my, my, my mind. So please don't do that again. Yeah. Back from England, um, I don't know, about three weeks ago or so, Boris Johnson rang me up on the... T- uh, <laughs> oh, my God. And, and he said, hey, can you come over and help me out with Brad? Brexit, and I said sure. So I came and I gave him some advice. And doesn't, uh, it, doesn't it make you? I mean, this is kind of sad, but doesn't it make you feel a little bit better that there's a country more screwed up than us? <laughs> oh my God! Well, they well the good part was is the dollar was so strong against the pound that look, I don't want their civic distress, <laughs> but if it can make if a I pint, happen to be in London, <laughs> right, it, it can't hurt, right? If it can make my pint, you know, eighty cents cheaper. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it. Um, they are just as you know, uh, con, uh, confuzzled yeah. about their confuzzled. <laughs> yeah, confuzzled look, look about that, that. one up, ladies. Yeah, it's it's English. You wouldn't yeah. understand. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, every pub I went to, which wasn't nearly as many as I wanted to be, uh, to go to, everybody was saying how their political situation is really no better than ours, you know? And, well, that's true. And I, yeah, they, well, they're in a, they really are in a constitutional crisis. Right well, now. I think theirs is, is worse. It could be. And and when if that happens, if this whole I mean, I don't want to get into politics, but if this breakfast Brexit thing happens, it could be uh, the beginning of a worldwide recession. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, but 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 it's not going to affect my trip because I'm home. That's right. So it's fine. Yeah, but Uh, I'm going in November, and it's you know. Well, I I think it's going to be delayed at least until. Although I don't know, I don't know. Well, you may not be coming back. So tell me stories. Tell me. Well, stories. let me see. We landed at Heathrow, and uh, immediately when I got off the plane, I had chimney soot all over my. Did, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, or just Chim- <laughs> Right. Uh, my teeth got all crooked. Okay. You know, right when all I right. got up. Now I had a great time in London. Um, you know, uh, just for an FYI. If you ever travel with my lovely bride, yeah. um, she runs a pretty tight ship. Okay. okay. Uh, I should have realized that we were going to be on a schedule when I saw that she packed a bugle for <laughs> for, rever- for Reveille every morning. Uh, you know, well, one day we woke up at 9 o'clock, and she woke up. She was like... <laughs> It's nine o'clock. Like it's nine o'clock. Oh, because so. you, you've wasted yeah. like two hours that you could have been doing something. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is that is not how I that is not how I roll. Not how I thrive either. No. Um, and the kids loved it. By the way, the teenagers <laughs> loved seeing every possible garden. Mom, and, let's do more. <laughs> yeah, right. We saw the Q gardens. Can we see the Z gardens and the R gardens and the L gardens? Uh, now we had a great time. Uh, the first day we were there, Lila, my oldest, you know, we suggested we go to a mall. I mean, literally, she goes, "Are there any malls here?" It's like you were, yeah, thousand Piccadilly years. Circus. Well, we were there, Piccadilly Circus. Um, we had a, I mean, we, we, we had a great time. Not a lot of Dave time, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, I think I had about three hours. There's just generally not a lot of Dave time. Not quite, yeah. not quite yet, but the kids are getting a little older yeah. that in a couple of years, there may be more Dave time. I know? think that I have about 22 hours a day of Rick time. 
Oh my god, that's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Do you like Rick? I, he's my favorite person. <laughs> we hang out all the time. You know. Uh, well, you know, I yeah. like Rick, but I certainly wouldn't want to hang out with him for twenty-two. You yeah, uh, do get a little sick of him at times, but now we ran, we rode the tube all over the place, right? You know, right out of town, we rode the tube right out of town, and Emma Clark, who is the voice of the tube, you know, yeah. the yeah. mind the gap lady. Guess what? Guess what's going to happen with her? What? She's going to be our guest next week. Is that right? Yeah. Was she? I locked up Emma Clark, the voice this of the tube. The same Emma Clark that was uh, in Game of Thrones, is it? Oh, I don't know. Well, we'll have to find out before next week's show. <laughs> yeah, this week, we have a different guest. This week, we have Eric Soderholm, yeah. former Chicago White Sox slugger. Uh, and he's got some great stories that he'll be sharing with us. About Cubs, Sox, and the whole thing. And, you know. So I went to Abbey Road Studios. Yes. Uh, and... Um, so there, you know, there's an Abbey Road street sign right there, right? Um, is on, that, on the wall, is that the mind? real one? Yeah. You know what? That's why we got lost. <laughs> it's because you have the sign. So we went to Abbey Road, um, and I thought, you know, I thought it'd be a really, really fun idea. Yeah. You know, and I had a really, really creative idea. What if? We recreated the <laughs> cover of the, oh walking across the street exactly. No one would have possibly have thought of that before. Not a so chance. so we're walking to Abbey Road. You know, you get off at what is it St. John's Wood? Is yep. that the tube station? You yep. walk the two blocks, and then you see literally. I mean, there yeah. must have been a hundred. They were in line. <laughs> they were queuing up yeah. to, to do and, this. And the problem is, they go from both directions. Well, this is what's yeah. so Michelle. So everybody was doing it, and so my wife looks in and goes, "They're doing it wrong." And she was correct. No, she wasn't. Oh, she wasn't. No, oh, okay. which is the first time ever. And that's why I want to record it on the podcast <laughs> right now. Um, and what I also think is hilarious, evidently there is no metri metric version of the middle finger in yeah. Britain because every driver was giving oh, us the yeah. finger. You know? Yeah. I, you know, Paul McCartney still has a house a couple of blocks away from Abbey Road. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he does. I found out from, I got, I got you a gift from a little collectible. Oh, okay. And the guy there is friends with Paul McCartney. Anyways, so... Um, I was. I think it's. You know. You know that he's driven by that street. Yeah. And he's probably like, mother. Come on. <laughs> why didn't we go? Why didn't <laughs> right. we do this over? At, yeah. In Denmark you know, or at Albert Hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, but I got you a couple of gifts. Oh, All right. Well, the first gift is actually a Rick and Dave gift. This is going to be for our studio. Okay. Here, why don't you close your eyes? I'm going to put the uh, mic down. Hold on. Eyes are closed. For those All of you right. at home, got my All eyes right. closed. So you can open your eyes right now. Okay. Look at the can. Ooh. So why don't you describe to these? Wow. So this is a can it's of a Carlsberg Carlsberg beer, beer with uh, that somebody has cut the the image of John Lennon into the can, right. and inside the can there's a candle with a light. Ooh, and it changes colors. That's it's right. Blue and purple. Ooh. Now wait until I, nighttime. Know, I thought you were going to say wait till January when marijuana is. Late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but wait until nighttime. That's like the coolest thing. Isn't ever. that awesome? And I can have this in the studio here? Yeah, yeah, keep it in the studio. Wow. That's for you. Thank you. All right, I got Well, it's for us. This That's a once-in-a-lifetime gift right there. Right. It's Isn't that not the coolest yeah. thing? Yeah. You know, ironically, they, 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 they only had John and George, ironically. Yeah, because Paul goes over there and says, get those off the show. <laughs> Possibly, he lives right down the street. Now, this is for you. This is a gift entirely for you. And here you go. Oh, cool. It's the uh, original film cell. Limited edition presentation from Help, mm -hmm. with little uh, inserts of like the slide, like a slideshow of the movie. Right. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, and there's even a, a, a certificate of authenticity, and I think there's only a hundred of them or something. So yeah, this is number fifty-eight out of a hundred. Wow, thank you very much. There you go. So um, wow, I wouldn't do this for you. Well, I was going to ask you. You went to Virginia over the weekend, right? Yeah. What'd well, you get me? You know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what'd you get me? I'll tell you a quick story before we get into it. Uh, uh -huh. at, we were at a wedding, a family wedding, and my, my brother-in-law, Paul, yeah. pulled out a $100 bill when we got to the bar afterwards, <laughs> gave it to uh, the uh, waitress, and said, just keep bringing bourbon until the money runs okay. out. Yeah. So I don't remember a lot. <laughs> About that must happened. be where you misplaced my gift. You probably had something that you just I left probably the... bought a whole bunch of stuff. Right, Who knows? Right, right. Here's a Confederate flag. <laughs> Here's a. All right. All right. So what do you got? 
So this comes out of Charlotte, North Carolina, which... Oh, wait. We're transitioning now. Oh. This is time for Minutia Men. Right. Okay. Do we have a logo? I I don't know. Do we have a jingle or anything? No, I just want to let people know in case... Um, This story comes out of Charlotte, North Carolina, which is on the cusp of having some really pretty crappy weather. So Prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Well... Good vibe and light, right. light and uh, positive energy goes to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, but I'm qu- I, quite frankly, I'm a little skeptical about the validity of some of the facts in the story. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, last month, Thomas Barnes found himself stuck with a $70 bill from DirecTV after he said his Bichon Frise dog, Marino, jumped on his bed and stepped on the remote control, accidentally ordering the Hustler channel. <laughs> well, Bichon Frises are, are French. <laughs> well, <laughs> good point, good point. <laughs> when the smut popped up on his screen, Barnes said he called the satellite TV company within minutes. <laughs> yeah, within minutes. It doesn't take very long. Explaining the mistake and getting I assurance. He, I think he needed about uh, three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Explaining the mistake and getting assurances that all would be correct. I swear to God, honey, (laughs) it's a dog. I only watch PBS, maybe the National Geographic Channel, and never when there's those naked ladies on there. Right. So, but and so they said that they were going to credit him, and they didn't. So he actually ended up trying to sue them for the seventy bucks. Wow. They eventually acquiesced, and you know, gave. uh, you know, gave him back his money, but not until a compl- complaint with the F- FCC that he did. Uh, so now, come on, who believes? Uh, right, I'm Does not anybody g- really believe right. him. I, I don't really like the assumption that Marino, the Bichon Frise, yeah. accidentally. Oh, you know, so you're on, you're on team uh, Bichon Fr- uh, okay. Marino. You know, what if he was, you know, feeling a little he or she Marino? I guess would yeah. be a boy probably. You know, was feeling a little frisky and wanted a little, you know, wanted it. So I, you know, maybe Marino was trying to find, a, you know, dog porn. Uh huh. Okay. Like, like uh, yeah. doing Scooby. Okay. That <laughs> Scooby Dooby. Ooh. <laughs> um, you know, Turner and Hoochie. Okay. Homeward bondage. You know? Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. I could have had more, but I really didn't want to put forth the effort. So, there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, I've got a story for you. Yeah. Hit me. Uh, uh, this is about vending machines, Dave. And, you know. Love vending machines. I love vending machines. Kids love vending machines. And, you know, vending machines are, in fact, I was, you know, told you about, I was at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the choices at the, the wedding was uh, either like a chicken or salmon. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, a couple of my nieces and nephews are, you know, super picky eaters mm-hmm. and wouldn't eat any of the food. But there was a vending machine there, and they literally ate Kit Kats for dinner. <laughs> but anyway. And they were <laughs> at, at like you know, $162 a plate or whatever. And no judgment either, because right. I've been there. Well, I've you're, been there. well, Tommy, your oldest, has lived on buttered noodles. Yeah, he's a pastatarian. <laughs> um, anyway, so... After the success of uh, a, a new vending machine in Ohio, and this is a genius vending machine, it's a bacon vending machine, and it is now uh, on Ohio State's campus, and it has been so popular on Ohio State's campus that they have now put it in Ohio Stadium. The Ohio Pork Council is launching a new and improved bacon vending machine just in time for the football season. They, they're debuting it this weekend, and so if you go to an Ohio State football game, you can get a, now. Is it like it, it must be warm? Is it warm? Is it cooked? It must it's be cooked, cooked bacon. bacon. Yeah. So well, now my guess is it's like cooked bacon, but you eat it cold. That'd be my. So guess. it's like a dehydrated yeah bacon yeah like you, know, you can buy it at the store yeah, or yeah. pre-cooked or whatever That's i would right. never eat it uh is marijuana legal in ohio <laughs> oh no here we go all right <laughs> so we're it's time for a uh minutia man minutia, okay minutia quiz time now for a minutia man minutia man minutia quiz so as you might imagine i've done some research into <laughs> vending machines yeah. and i have four possible vending machines all right uh-huh. three of these are real Okay. And one of them is not. Okay. And it's your job and our listener's job to guess. The, the one that's the fake, one that, obviously. Yes. Okay. Now, let me read them all before you make your guess. Okay. All right. Uh, the first choice is a gold bar slash coin vending machine. All right. Okay. The gold bar coin vending machine made its debut in the Abu Dhabi Hotel, and it allows rich patrons to purchase gold from the machine. 
The prices are checked globally every 10 seconds. The best price is locked in for 10 minutes, so you can get the correct prices every 10 minutes. Yeah. I, that's the gold bar vending machine. I think that's totally plausible. The toilet paper vending machine. Okay. All right. If you go to any toilet in the West and in most places in Europe, there's toilet paper. Yeah. Not so much in the East and in, in parts of Asia. If you visit a bathroom there, you you better have paper with you. And so they have decided to make lately, a little coin. Yes. Um, toilet paper vending machines popping up so that visitors do not go in there without. Uh, and not to interrupt, but the first yeah. time I've ever paid to pee was in London. Yeah. They do it in Germany, uh, right. too, now. Uh, now he had never paid yeah. before. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah, no, it's no fun. No. Um, C, this is your third choice, all right? The Wink Martindale vending machine. <laughs> okay. Okay. The legendary game show host has his own gift shop and museum in Los Angeles. It's only open Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 9 to 4. But if you go there on a Tuesday and a Thursday, you can still get Wink Martindale knickknacks. Okay. Including audio air checks of his radio days. I didn't even know he was <laughs> yeah, right. a radio right. legend. Probably not a big seller either, I would think. DVDs of his game show days and also decorative salt and pepper shakers with Wink's likeness. All right, that's kitschy enough. That might be. Okay. Wink Martindale. Okay. The last one is the panty vending machine. Okay. The panty vending machine. Japan is most definitely a strange and wonderful place, uh, but would you believe they sell panties out of vending machines? The sexy selections include zebra skin and thong type uh, panties. For those with more uncultured taste, you can buy used panties accompanied by a picture of the sexy ladies that wore them. Okay. Um, One of those is not true. Okay. Japan is a weird place. Yeah. So... I think that might be true. Definitely, I think the gold bar one is true. Yes, it is. Okay, so gold bar is true. Um, so it's Wink Martindale or the toilet paper, right? Yes. Wink Martindale is so weird that this is something that you would probably, that you wouldn't come. But the toilet paper makes so much sense, too. I know. This is, this is a toughie. This is a tough one. Good job here. Um the Japan one, I think, is true, too. Is it true? The panty one? Yeah. Yes, that's okay. true. So it's between... Toilet paper or Wink Martindale? <laughs> toilet... <laughs> Probably the only time those two phrases have ever been... Uh... Unless you're Mrs. Martindale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a very tough decision. He's having a hard time. I'm going to say that the toilet paper is not true. I'm sorry. Oh, so you made up the Wink Martindale? <laughs> made it up. <laughs> oh, man. That sucks. All right. Well, good job. Uh, thank you. You know, this is the kind of show that people can get for free, Oh, my Dave. God. I know. I mean, what are we in? Like 20 minutes already? How long are we in? Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what they? What did you pay for it? Hey, you and your car in, in Costa Rica <laughs> or uh, Anguilla, what would you pay for this content? You paid Zippo. How Boy. does how does that happen? How do you get it? I guess all you can do, and I don't really understand this this digital stuff, but yeah. you just go to like um, Apple Podcasts or yeah. Stitcher or Spotify, Spotify and iHeartRadio, whatever, and you press a button. You can listen to the podcast. You can subscribe. It'll be in your mailbox every week when we when we cut a new show. Even when we're on vacation, we're cutting shows. Yes, uh, and um, yeah, it's just free. And what are we getting out of it? We're not even getting an email from you people. Yeah. People aren't even emailing us. Which they can do at minutiamenpodcast at gmail.com. But yeah, we know that you're not gonna. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah. Yeah, you know what? We're not even gonna check. You know Don't what? even bother. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Show's over, yeah, damn it. Keep, keep your stupid emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and shove them in that vending, in that Wink Martindale vending machine. Okay, Dave, we're gonna take a quick break. Okay. And we'll be right back. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's the ever-escalating costs of pickup trucks, plus a special segment as we remember Lee Iacocca. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what 
podcast would you tell people they need to listen to? Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. And that's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back. You look great. <laughs> you know what subject I'd really like to talk about right now? <laughs> oh, let me guess. Maybe the Cubs? Could that possibly be what you want to talk about? Time now for a collection of Cub geekness. This is Just One Bad Century. With Rick and Dave. It, yes. We're talking about the Cubs. We're talking about a book I wrote, which I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this before, but I wrote a book. Yeah, you know how many people I talked to in London about your book? Yeah. Zero. zero. No one really? had, no one had ever heard of your book huh. in London. Yeah. Well, there's an open market for us because <laughs> yeah. you know the Cubs are going there in June next uh, year. Next year. That'd be kind of a... That's, your, you that's know, your boys road trip right there. Yeah, but it's that's a little tourist... Well, it's a Cubs game. Yeah, you know what? We could, we could write it off. We could. We've got a whole book promoting... Okay. Right, something to think All about. Right, okay. All right. So anyway, that book is called Every Cub Ever. You you, you can get it at everycubever.com. And it features great stories about, uh, you know, every single person that ever played for the Cubs, including some managers. And the one thing, the my one disappointment is I can't put audio inside the book because I have a collection of Cubs audio that is just tremendous. Mm -hmm. And and this week I'd like to share some with you. Uh, sure. So I have a friend that was a mole who worked at WGN who has all the outtakes of the Leo DeRocher oh, show gosh, that, yeah. called In the Dugout, I yeah. believe it was called. And uh, if you don't know who Leo DeRocher, he was the manager of the Cubs in the late 60s, early 70s. And he was a foul man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was yeah. a foul man. Well, he's a, wasn't he a racist? Was he, uh, he was, yeah, you know, he was uh, just, just a drunk uh, racist. Uh, just a, yeah. uh, a nasty guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Um, but, you know, he would have to do a radio show before every before, you know, every, every game. Right, right, and they didn't do it live, obviously. No, and he recorded it with Lou Boudreau, who's mm -hmm. also a Hall of Famer, and, and Lou Boudreau would, you know, try to get yeah. Leo to talk, and Leo would always start swearing just to just to <laughs> screw up the show. Yeah. So they couldn't use the tape. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've got a couple of examples okay, of that. Okay, uh, sure. All right, these are unbleeped, so cover your... Uh, your if you're in Anguillo right now yeah. and you're not used to... Not suitable for work. All right, here we go. This is DeRocher in the Dugout, brought to you by the Vienna Sausage Manufacturing Company. Vince Lloyd sitting in once again for Lou Boudreau, whose son Lou Jr. is to be getting married today. How about where, that, Leo? Where are they getting married? Well, I don't know where. I guess in a church or somewhere. Well, I mean, Lou Jr., I hear, is a very fine, a very fine boy. Must take after his mother. Can't take after that shit-heeled father of <laughs> his. I mean, I don't... And the girl. The girl. The sure. girl. What's her name? Sharon. Well, the girl must have some class, I mean, after all. But, uh, shit, the old man, if she ever met the old man, there'd be no way she'd marry Lou Jr. Because that prick runs around all the time with different broads. There's no way she'd get connected with that family. The mother, fine. The old man, a real prick. That was DeRocher in the dark. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, I got, I've got uh, four of them. Okay, uh, sure. All right, here's we another got time. <laughs> you have made it my mind on that yet. I go day by day. You haven't got your picture set up for this series? No. All right. Then uh, does this mean that you might uh, have a starter in the bullpen? No. That was DeRocher in the dugout. <laughs> 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 Don't There's another one. The fence is... Well, Leo, you find a couple of men uh, prior to last night's ball game. Was there any more fines in that game? Yes, there was. There was two more fines last night again, Lou. That was uh, DeRocher in the dugout. Hi, everybody. This is Lou Boudreau here with Leo DeRocher, manager of the Chicago Cubs, brought to you by Jay's Foods Incorporated, makers of Jay's potato chips. You can't stop eating them. Well, Leo, in announcing the fines last night again after finding two more ball players, we might be in trouble with the newspaper men. Munzel uh, was very upset uh, uh, about you announcing the fines over my program. What do you think of uh, Munzel? I uh, have a few words for Munzel. He can go and fuck himself. <laughs> well, I don't care whether Munzel likes it or not. He's not going to manage this ball club. I'll find him when I get ready, and if he hasn't got brains enough, if he's not intelligent enough to come and ask me after the ball game is over, 
instead of sitting on his ass somewhere in a bar drinking and then wondering whether what I've said to you on the program the next day, as I said previously, let him go fuck himself. <laughs> well, now we've got the number one afternoon paper also with us, Jim Enright, and you know that Jim will go along with Menzel. I don't care where Jim goes. They can both go in the shithouse as far as I'm concerned. That fucking Sweet Enright's a whale anyway. All he wants to do is sit around and be a politician. He never comes out and asks any questions, only whispers in your ear on the side and uh, doesn't want anybody else to hear it. He can go fuck himself, too. Well, we've got one other fellow that's a little mouse. He squeaks, squeaks around and follows these two guys, and I guess he was a little more upset than Menzel and Enright. That's Ray Sons. Well, Ray Sons is a nice boy. He's a young boy, and I can't get on him too much. This is his first year, I believe, or second year, and he's not uh, an experienced writer, so I can't get on Ray too much. His boss, Roy Fisher, yes. Fuck him and his newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got Sometimes. one other fellow with us, the Chicago Tribune, the world's greatest newspaper. And these fellas that you've mentioned are the Ray Sons. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it runs out. It runs you know, out I there. love the organ in the background. Oh, my you know, God. But, uh, that's Leo DeRocher. That's, that's, uh, yeah, he was a cratchety old bastard. Uh, yeah, but can you imagine trying to do the pregame show with him? It would just not be it. No, yeah. right. And then I, I'm surprised they just didn't scrap it. Yeah, I know. After a while, exactly. Like that. All right. It's the time for another feature, uh, which I can. Oh, boy. My, my audio is not working today. What happened? Um, I just clicked on it. And uh, so you, yeah. you had what? How many days to make sure that this was all set up before I got back into town? Uh, this is a part of the show, Dave, where you reach your hand into the Costco jar and pull out a name of a celebrity. And uh, and uh, and, then and I have tell to tell the story. story. Yes. The story. All right. yes. Well, now, I you, guess we left. The, was our last show we did Valerie Harper that you were going to... We teased yeah. Valerie Harper, right? Right. Okay, so what we're next week... Yeah. Excuse me, is Dennis Hopper. Oh, okay. All right, that's But this one. week you're going to tell the story about Valerie Harper, who Which, just passed away. Yeah, it passed away after we pulled her name. Right, yeah. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah Den- Dennis Hopper's dead already, so he doesn't have to worry, but... We may be a new Sports Illustrated uh, curse. Yeah. All right, so here's the Valerie Harper story. It, Valerie Harper, by the way, was like one of the nicest people right. that ever lived. She was just a sweet, sweet lady. And she came on our show, on John Landecker's show, several times. Three or four, maybe even more than that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, her husband is somehow related to Dick Biondi. Oh. So there was some connection there. So yeah. she came on our station, and, and she was just a, a sweetheart. And then Was she day, live? Or did she yeah, live in the studio. Oh, okay. And she and John really hit it off. And one day we were talking to her, uh, and I said, hey, you know, Here's a funny little tidbit. Tomorrow, we're interviewing Mary mm-hmm. Tyler Moore. And she said, oh, you want to play a joke on her? Uh, and John's like, yeah, sure. She said, how about, is, is she going to be in the studio? No, she's going to be on uh, this, uh, you know. LA or whatever. Right. Yeah. How about if I come in tomorrow and pretend like I'm your co-host and we do the interview uh, with, you know, a surprise, yeah. uh, you know, with her not knowing about it. And John's like, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Of course. Yeah. So the next day she came Comes back. back. What was she doing in Chicago? Was she in a play or something? Yeah, I think she was in a play. Yeah. Um, and she came back and and, uh, and starts the interview yeah. w- with uh, John. And Mary Tyler Moore is in some studio in Los Angeles right, or New right. York. So she doesn't know. Obviously. She can't she, see us. Right. And, and, John, and, and Valerie goes, you know, uh, Mary, uh, I was always wondering, you know, who's your favorite coast yeah, yeah sure and and mary says i couldn't possibly choose yeah uh, you know i love all of yeah, them right of course and, yeah. and valor goes you know what i think you're being disingenuous <laughs> i don't think you uh, i don't think you believe that at all i believe that there are some you like more than others <laughs> and that you know you're being a complete phony oh. right now <laughs> and mary goes well listen vicky <laughs> <she was> introduced <laughs> as vicky yeah. you know you know how do you know you yeah. don't know anything about me and and she said well, i think that you probably liked uh, valerie <laughs> harper the best and and all of a sudden mary Teller Moore is like um, wait a minute. <laughs> but it was, it was yeah, really, yeah. it was a great moment yeah, because yeah. Mary Tyler Moore was like also the nicest person right, ever. Right, so. Was like ready to lay <laughs> down. Right. Like, she was going to go Leo DeRocher yeah, on her. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Oh, that's great. Can you get that audio? Yeah, I can get it. Well, let's play that. All right. You know, a good producer would have had that. Well, I bet you Tony Lasano oh. of uh, Opie Productions, Opie Shows has that audio ready to go. Okay, well. And it's, we're going to play it right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the miracle of podcasting. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're going to bring in uh, our, our special guest. If the audio works, let's see if it does. 
It does not. <laughs> okay. So. All right. So this is uh, say cele- oh, wait, uh, Celebrity Minutia Minute. Break it, Dave. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. All right. Yeah. Joining us on the phone, we have a uh, former Major League Baseball player. Dave, uh, is, this is one of Dave's favorites. We always remember you as part of the Southside Hitmen 1977. Uh, Richie Zisk, Oscar Gamble, uh, George Orr. Florida, Chet Lemon. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, we're you, like the bad news bears, won't we? I mean, yes, <laughs> you kind of were. Go back, put together these uh, these uh, guys. That uh, <laughs> I mean, let I me mean, take a look at the team. I mean, I'm at third base and I got bad knees, so I'm a step and a dive. Alan Bannister's at short. He had rotor cuff surgery, so how do you have a shortstop that can't throw? <laughs> you got you got George Jordan in second. He couldn't turn a double play. You got Ralph Gar in left, and everything balls at the left. You hold your breath, hoping you catch it. Right. And then Zisk and Zisk and Wright, who who had no range at all, but he certainly was a great hitter. Really, when you think about it, the only legitimate all you know uh, you know all phase type of player was Chet Lemon oh, in the field. Yeah. You know. And Jim oh, Spencer God. was a pretty good first baseman, too. Spencer was a great defensive yeah. first baseman, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Lamar Johnson, they, they they switched, you know. I mean, uh, right. Spencer played against the righties, and Johnson played against the lefties. Ed, Ed, Herman was no, Ed Herman was no longer on the team then, or was he? No. No, he no. was gone. He was gone, no, by. He was gone, yeah. So. All right, so but talk about... Crazy. I mean, and yeah. if we had a little better pitching, you know, um, I think we could have really made a legitimate run at it this year. But, I mean, we had Wilbur Wood pitching both games with a doubleheader. <laughs> we had Steve Stone before he was famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, you can't even hardly name who else was on the team, right? I mean, pitching-wise. Yeah. Ken Kravick, I think you had. Uh, yeah, that. Ken Kravick and Al Wortham, and then Laren Legro was our big stopper out of the bullpen, but... It was just crazy. I mean, Vegas had it, had us at a hundred to one when the season started, and uh, and literally nobody could believe that we had a five game lead going into late August. So it was it was one of those crazy magical type of, type of years. I think we set a record for the most home runs ever hit by a team up to that point. Um, that was the since, thing. It since got broken, you know, obviously, many and it's going to get broken again. Right this here, year. But, yeah. But back then, that was in the dead ball era. That was pretty good. So it was exciting year. Yeah, it really was. You know what I loved about it, and I was well, was we were in high school when it was happening. You know, the the you guys just looked like I don't want to call you like you just mentioned like a motley crew, right? And <laughs> and your uniforms were like a cross between like pajamas and a you know like a softball league, you know, and that just kind of added to the whole mystique, you know, of, of of the team. And what I didn't know until doing show prep is that those uniforms were designed by Mary Frances Vack, right? I believe so, and it's funny because, I mean, we had to wear them the whole season, and Chris Sale put it on one day, and he refused to pitch yeah, it, right, and, he, right, he made, it and, he burnt, and he burnt it <laughs> in, in protest, and I, I, had to, I just was laughing like crazy because I said, yeah, I couldn't wear it one day, and we had to wear it 162. <laughs> now, you couldn't be honest with Bill Veck or Mary Francis that the uniforms were a little ridiculous because she designed them, right? Did you, I mean, were you guys complaining in the dugout about them, or did, you know? What? No, no, the, uh, the uniform actually was uh, comfortable. I mean, it was uh, loose fitting and it was easy you know uh, the the problem the complaints we got were from the shorts the year before oh, they, were, right. they were they were talking about bringing bringing the shorts back and everybody said oh no please oh no no <laughs> you know you realize we have to slide right do you, do you understand yeah. how the game works <laughs> yeah right yeah Bill Beck sometimes you know he's just more into the promotional and the yeah. things making sure everybody got their money's worth when they came to the park you know so he he had a lot of crazy ideas that man Sports well, was one of them. The thing about Bill Vec and I, I, and you know, I still love him. Hall of Famer, you know, he's he's a Chicago institution, but he also had Harry Carey and Jimmy Pearsall there, and those that was when they were at their absolute peak. And things were going well. There's nobody you wanted on your side more than Harry and Jimmy, but when things <laughs> didn't go well. 
<laughs> they were not afraid to say it. And, I, you know, I know a lot of players over the years were kind of uh, irked by those guys. How, how was your relationship with them? How do you how do you feel about them? Looking, back? I have a I have a great, good. great Jimmy Pearsall story oh, for you. Good. Oh, sure. Yeah, it might take a few minutes. But we yeah, got, go ahead. We got time, I believe, right? Yep. <laughs> Lay it on so, us. So we got a 0-0 ball game, and I'm leadoff hitter in the bottom of the ninth, and I get a base hit, so I'm on first base. And unbeknownst to me, obviously, because I couldn't hear what he was saying on the air, Pearsall starts screaming out of the mic, I can't believe Bob Lim is not pinch running for Soderholm. It takes three base hits to score him from first base. <laughs> so... Obviously, my phone is lit up like Christmas tree when I get home, and you can't believe what Pearsall said, you know. I, and I, I, I can't believe it either. That's crazy. I mean, I, I know I've had knee surgery, but I'm not that sure. Right, right, sure. So, um, uh, or obviously, I wouldn't be there. But so I confront him at the batting cage the next day. And all the reporters, you know, they get out there early batting practice and they get notes and you know stuff from everybody. And so Pearsall's out there. So I confront him. I said, Jimmy. I heard, I heard from several people what you said last night about taking three base hits to score me from first. I said, you know, come on, man. I'm not that slow. He said, shit, I could beat you in a race. <laughs> I, I said, what? You're a 50-year-old guy that's had a heart attack. How are you going to beat him? <laughs> he says, how much do you want to race for? I says, I'll race you right now for 100 bucks." He says, make it 1000 Wow, that's a lot of dough back in <laughs> oh, 1977. Goodness, I'm telling you, the reporters were eating this up. Mm. They loved this. You could see them all grab their pens and start writing stuff down, you know. I said, Jimmy, I'll be glad to race you for 1000 Let's go down to the warning track and, and, and race right now. I don't have 1000 but I'll bring it if I lose. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, we're going to stopwatch time, our time around the bases, because where you got to make your turn on your bad left knee at the bases, that's yeah. where I'll make up the ground. Yeah. I said, fine, Jimmy, I'll come early to the park, I'll bring my $1,000, and we'll time around the bases. Well, it ends up in the paper the next day. Soderholm to race Pearsall for $1,000 over comment that he made over the air. And so I go to the park with $1,000 thinking that this race is going to happen. I, there's a note in my locker from Bill Beck. Come see me before you put your uniform on. <laughs> so I go up to his office and he's got his arms folded and he's shaking his head. I said, is this about the Pearsall race? And he said, absolutely, it's about the Pearsall race. I said, uh, is there a problem with it? He says, absolutely, there's a problem with it. He says, number one, if you beat him, they're going to say you beat a 50-year-old guy who's had a heart attack. Right. If he happens to beat you, I doubt it, but if he happens to beat you, don't you realize that he's on the mic all, every game? Yeah. He'll, run, he'll run your ass out of town so fast, blast you every time you get on the base. I said, are you crazy? And then he says, and this is the reason I'm putting a stop to it, what happens if you pull a muscle while you're trying to win this race yeah. for 1000 bucks? Now, I'm the one screwed. And I go, you know, Mr. Beck, I am sorry. I didn't even think about it. So uh, I'll call the race off. So we call the race off, but there was this tension that was still between Pearsall and myself wondering uh, really who, won. who would win that race, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I had no doubt it was going to be me, and he had no doubt it was going to be him. So it was kind of funny. Oh, now, that's, that's... now you gotta you got to fast forward uh, about three or four years. I'm on the Yankees. And uh, I'm in top physical shape, worked out all year. We got beaten in the playoffs the year before, so I knew we had a great team. We were probably going to go to the World Series. So I worked out all winter, and I hit and feel I was in great physical shape, and I get a phone call two weeks before I leave for spring training in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, there was a promoter of an event that said, hey, we're doing a uh, fundraiser for crippled kids down at Chicago Stadium. Can you come on down and play in a little charity soccer game? Um, we're trying to raise money for these kids. And I said, sure, I'll come down. Well, I got there a little bit late, and they had already formulated their teams, and they put me on a, on a team. And, and uh, on the opposing team, the goaltender was, guess who? Jimmy Pierce. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> now, I, now, here's the thought that crosses my mind. I think, oh, please, just kick me the ball right in front of the goal. Oh, yeah. I'm going to drill this bastard so hard. Yeah. And I'm going to try to kick him right in nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was going to get revenge on the rascal, you know, from that stuff from years ago. Sure. Sure enough, like the universe responded 
boom, here's the ball right in front of them. I'm not even 10, 12 feet away from her, maybe maybe five yards away from her or something, and the ball's coming, and I'm, and I'm oh, man, I'm, I'm going to drill it. Cocked and, and loaded, I right? Look, I look up as the ball's coming in front of me, and I see his eyes are like as big as saucers, and his hands are up by his face, you know? <laughs> I, I took my eye off the ball as I went to kick it, and I hit the top half of the ball, and my legs spun out, and I tore, and I fell. I tore an anterior cruciate ligament, and my career was over. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my In a charity soccer game, raising money for crippled kids, I ended up being crippled. And the Buddhists have an absolutely perfect saying for this. They say, if you're going to hang on to the energy of revenge, you might as well build two graves yeah one for them and one for you yeah that is and yeah guys, i live that statement i actually lived that statement. my career ended in a charity soccer game at 31 years old that wow. is one of the best stories i've ever heard how have i life. not heard that story before <laughs> that is awesome well you didn't hear it because you know i i had to keep it on the download you know i didn't mean i was still trying to come back from it and still play and stuff and i didn't want Steinbrenner didn't know that I hurt my knee in, yeah. in a charity soccer game because, you know, in your contract it said you can't skydive, you can't play basketball, you can't play soccer, you know, all these things. And I just thought I was going to go down and kick the ball around a little bit. Right. And maybe kick it in and Jimmy it, Pearsall's and it balls. Ended up <laughs> in my career. So wow. the, the message there is, folks, don't hang on to the energy of revenge. It's not good for you. <laughs> you know, that's uh, and we're going to talk a little bit later about solder world, which I think kind of has that sensibility that you just mentioned. Uh, but before mm-hmm. before we get to that, you played 10 years in the big league. How long you were in the big leagues for 10 years? Uh, right? nine, nine and a half. OK. Uh, yeah. Close. But. Best hitter you've ever saw that you've ever seen and the toughest pitcher that you ever faced. Uh, well, I'd have to do a toss-up on the hitter. Uh, I played with Rod Carew yeah. on the Minnesota Twins. Pretty I good. I mean, this guy won seven batting championship <laughs> titles. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. This guy This guy had a magic wand. I'll tell you a funny Rod Carew story, too. Oh, please do. Hey, you know what? You're going to be the host of this podcast. You're much better than we are. <laughs> yeah, we may go over time with all the stories. So That's fine. It runs over time. So, so we're playing against the Orioles. I'm on the Twins, and I hit four Rockets. I mean, yeah. two that I thought were home runs that were caught at the warning track up against the fence. A line driver dug the centers at third base. He actually took his glove off and shook his hand. Wow. And then a line drive up the middle at Mark Belanger caught, one hop caught, spun and threw me out at first base. I'm 0 for 4 with four rockets. The same game, Rod Carew got five hits. <laughs> he goes five for five, and guys... Not one of the balls left the infield. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's... He drag-bunted twice. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't roll him down third base any better than he did for base hits. He was very fast. He hits two ground balls past the pitcher up the middle. Of that, and, and, and Belanger, they shaded him to hit the opposite field. So Belanger caught him, spun through the first hit ball. was fast. He beat them both out. Yeah. The last ball, honest to God, hits home plate, goes straight up in the air, I don't know how many feet up in the air, but the pitcher's waiting for it to come down. He catches it, throws the first, bang, bang, and safe again. Yeah, right. Five for five, and I'm <laughs> and you're over for four. Then I'm over four, yeah. four right. There was no justice to it. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm sitting, a in a, beast. I'm sitting in a locker room in the sauna that we had in there, and I'm, I'm kind of sulking, I guess. Uh, and Rob happens to walk in, and we got in the conversation, and I said, Rob, I said, you got a magic wand. I said, I've never seen anybody get patience like you do. He says, Eric, I don't have a magic wand. He says, you want to know the difference between me and you? I said, I'd love to know. <laughs> he said, can you look at me straight in the eye and tell me that you believe you're a 300 hitter in the big leagues? <laughs> I said, well, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm kind of a rookie here, and, I, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if I have that belief system yet. And he says, my friend, that's why the base hits fall in for me, and they haven't for you yet, because I got to tell you something. I don't believe I'm a 300 hitter. I know yeah. I'm a 300 wow. hitter. Wow. And that really hit me. I mean, that was like getting God smacked, you know, by, mm-hmm. by a statement. And I, I said, God. I mean, wouldn't that be nice to just know you're something, know you're absolutely something? I actually traced back, I went in my mind, 
back as to when I formulated the the belief system of what kind of hitter I was going to be. And I tracked it all the way back to my first year of pro ball in Class A in Orlando. I hit a two-run homer to win the playoffs for us, and, and we're in the locker room celebrating with the champagne and stuff. And after everything calmed down, the manager of the team, his name was Ralph Rowe, he came up, put his arm around me, he said, kid, he said, I watched you play all year. He says, I really think you're going to be a major league baseball player. And I remember the light going off in my head when he said that. I said, wouldn't that be great? And then he said something that just really was deeply embedded into my consciousness. He said, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you end up being a 270 hitter in the big leagues and pop a lot of home runs. Oh, wow. And, you know, and I remember that being so powerfully set and anchored into my mind. Uh, and, you know, if you add up my stats, big leagues-wise, it was like 264. But if you add the four, the extra four years in the minor leagues, the, the, you add up my minor league and major league career over 14 years, my lifetime betting average 271. Wow. And, and the home runs was, I hit, I think, over a little over 100 in the big leagues, and then I hit 40-something in the uh, minor league. So it was like um, 150 home yeah. runs uh, so as you a were, pro player. So you were labeled, and you believed the label, basically. I, that's right. And, I mean, and, that, and exactly. that's the lesson. That's the lesson, I think, that uh, you know I learned later, that we, we all are products of our belief systems. I mean, you know, I was raised and conditioned in a certain environment. If you were born in Iraq or Africa or something, you would have completely right, different sure. belief systems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're all products of our conditioning, for sure. And so when you recognize that and realize that you can create your own reality uh, by changing your beliefs, then uh, some wonderful things start happening in your life. You know, I'm going to believe that I'm going to have a full head of hair tomorrow and see how it happens. <laughs> yeah, well, go see that Just for Men place. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to will it, Brian, man. <laughs> Brian Sandberg and Brian Erlich. Yeah, no. The, the, it worked for them. Yeah, and, and the 1,200 billboards that they have on the expressways, too. Yeah, I know. I know. So you were saying it was a toss-up between Rod Carew and, and another hitter. Who's the oh, other one? Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, George Brett. Oh, mm. of George course. Brett of the Kansas City Royals. Oh, my God. What, 70, I 80s, love, 90s? I watching him play. He, he yeah. won batting titles in four decades. And he was a third baseman like you, third too. Third baseman. I, yeah, he was the guy that I was very impressed with. I mean, he could hit balls out of the park to left field, center field, right field, and just just good defensive, strong arm, could run fairly good for a big man. I mean, just very impressive player. He worked with Charlie Lau, who I got a chance to work mm-hmm. with a little bit later in my career with the Yankees. Uh, the batting coach, a famous batting coach, who wrote yeah. a book called The Art of Hitting mm-hmm. 300. And, um, you know, he, him and Carew were the two best all-around players that, that I played against. Now, as far as pitching goes, I don't think anybody would uh, – argue that nolan ryan yeah. back then uh was probably the best pitcher um i mean come on i mean yeah, back okay. in the 70s you're throwing the ball 100 miles an hour i mean back yeah. then they they would hit 88 maybe 90 on the radar right and he's throwing 100 yeah that's... you know how much 10 miles an hour is yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. i mean that's like on you like and he was like kind of wild too he would walk yeah. a ton of batters, so you must have never been able to feel comfortable in the batter's box no, you could never feel comfortable against him because he had a great curveball, too. I don't know if you even remember mm-hmm. that, but he had a Burt Blylevin kind of curveball. And if he was getting his curveball over, you would hope you it screwed. would only be an 0 for 3 instead of an 0 for 4. And not Because uh, he, was, he was tougher. But I have to tell you, although I've he struck me out plenty of times, and I was his last out of one of his no-hitters. I think he had 14 of them. <laughs> uh, I was uh, that, the last out. But I also had one of my claims to fame was that I hit two home runs in the same game off of him in California, wow. drove in three runs, and we beat him three to two. So, <laughs> Which, which one, team was that with? My one claim to fame. He was with California. No, but you – was that during your White Sox years or uh, – The White Minnesota? Sox, yeah. yeah. I was with the White Sox, yeah. So I had two home runs in the same game off of him, and not too many people did that. So. And then the next time uh, next time you faced him, he beamed you in the head, right? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't uh, want that. No, but he, he would let you know if, yeah. he, if he – 
if he wanted to, he'd get a little high arc went up <laughs> underneath the chin. It would certainly get your attention, no question about it. So, after, but nowadays, yeah, I mean, now, now look at these guys. Now, nowadays, a lot of guys are throwing mid nineties, a hundred miles oh, yeah. an hour. You know, so it's just it's crazy how how the evolution of the players just it just seemed to be getting better and better and better every uh, every year, yeah. every year. But there really are no uh, hitters like Rod Carew or George Brett anymore. You know, they're all. They're all trying to just crush it every time. Oh, I'm sure that you'll get some argument over that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great hitters uh, out there, but um, it, it, at least in my era, those were the two that stood out, no question. So after you after your playing career, you I know you worked for the Cubs for a while, weren't you? A scout or something for the Cubs? Yeah, yeah. I, you know I was in that limbo. I mean, all I've ever done all my life was play ball, and and I was good at one thing in my life, and that was hitting a ninety mile hour fastball. Mm-hmm. You know, I was pretty good at that, and and uh, it certainly opened up a lot of doors for me in the business world, um, which I'm in now, but. Uh, you know, that's all you got to do. It's just be really, really good at one thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so you make enough money to where the other things that you're not good at, you can pay people that are good at yeah. it to do it for you. <laughs> Speaking of which, now let's talk about Solder World. Uh, you know, your new, and well, it's not your new endeavor. You've, you've started this. What year did you start it? What, how long has Solder World been around? Uh, well, 97, okay. we started in the shopping center. My daughter, Misty, right. uh, love her to death. She's an angel. Uh, she was always very spiritual. Um, and she went out to San Diego and studied at the San Diego School for the Healing Arts. And while she was out there, she went to work for a guy named Deepak Chopra. Yeah. Oh, geez. Kind of heard him yeah, about yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, everybody's kind of heard of him. He's got lots of books. And so she called me one day and said, Dad, I'm working for Deepak Chopra now. And I said, who's that? Yeah. And I had no idea. I was like 50, 51, 50 years old, somewhere in there. And she said, uh, check out his stuff, man. He's got lots of lots of great books and tapes out. And so the next day, talk about synchronicity, I'm flipping through the channels, and boom, on Channel 11, PBS station, there's uh, Deepak Chopra talking about spirituality and, uh, you know, selling his books and tapes. And I caught it, and, I, you know, he had such a heavy Indian accent, I couldn't mm-hmm. quite understand what he was saying, but there was something he was saying that was resonating with me, you know, and I just, I just watched and watched, and then I ordered uh, his book, Perfect Health, and I ordered a tape series called The Higher Self, and so that kind of got me on my, uh, my spiritual journey, and um, after that, it was like listening, reading his book, and then listening to his tapes, and then it was, I was an insatiable reader. I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning every night like clockwork and just uh, have a, a new book on my mm-hmm. stand once i finished one and i went to wayne dyer then carolyn mace and then marianne williamson and then course in miracles and then way of mastery and so i just was an insatiable reader for a couple of years at three o'clock in the morning went through a lot of books and then two years later she calls me and says dad we got to do Mm-hmm. What he's doing in the Midwest, uh, out west here, we got to do it in the Midwest. It really needs it. And I said, well, that's fine. I was kind of getting burnt out with the other business I was in called Front Row Tickets. Well, you were a ticket poker. That had been very successful for me, but it was like StubHub was on the scene now or uh-huh. coming on the scene. And it just, uh, I was no longer comfortable after reading all these spiritual books about ripping people off, you know, <laughs> right, telling <exactly>. people <laughs> they wanted a, a cup, four cup tickets. Yeah. I say, well, it's 800, yeah, 200 right. a ticket. And I said, what? And they say, what? I said, well, I paid 175 to get it. It's a tough ticket. And I'm lying through my teeth. Yeah, you know, yeah. I paid 85. Yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. So I just, I just got really burnt out at the greed and uh, we had a ticket brokers meeting one time. I was a vice president of the association, and one of the ticket brokers from Union Tyson Tickets said, man, I'd shoot my mother if I could get four in the front row for Michael Jackson. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just comments like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah, said, yeah. man, I'm in, I'm in this business, and I'm making a lot of money, but, man, I'm selling your soul. You know? right, yeah, I yeah. sold my soul to the devil. Yeah. And uh, so... So I, um, when she called, it was perfect timing because I was uh, really getting burnt out with the business. And so we started in a little shopping center, a thousand square feet. Uh, figured we'd start small. If it went under, uh, you know, it wouldn't yeah, get hurt. Right. And it didn't go under. It actually got pretty popular, even though it was cold on the outside in the shopping center. On the inside, when you walked in, you felt the warmth and the, and uh, you know, safe place and comfortable place for a professional 
therapies and, and stuff. And and so then uh, after the first year, the people next to us went out of business. And so we grabbed that spot and created a yoga studio and combined the two places. And then third year, fourth year, uh, uh, not quite the fourth year, but the other people went out of business that were right next to us. So we grabbed that place and, and created like a, a spiritual uh, classroom, if you will, to hold classes and stuff. And then and then uh, our five-year lease is up, and the landlord comes in and says, you know, I'll give you another five-year lease. You guys obviously are expanding, doing well. And I said, well, that'll be fine. He said, that's the good news. The bad news is i got to raise your rent substantially because you own three of the five uh, units now, and in your contract you'll see that you're responsible for any major repairs, and I've got to replace the whole heating and air conditioning system because it's like 25 years old. And they're raising my taxes and yada, yada, yada. He's giving me all these excuses of why he had to raise uh, the rent like a couple hundred dollars a month in each unit. So I said, man, I, I said, you're taking away all our profit. I could probably build a place and have less of a mortgage to the bank than I'm paying you, which was $4,800 a month. Mm. He said, much to my surprise, well, then go ahead. And I go, oh, shit, what am I going <laughs> to yeah, do? Right. What am I going to do with Starter World now? Where am I going to go when my lease is up, you know? And so, honest to God, guys, three days later, a lady walks in for her massage, and she is 20 minutes late, and she says, I want my whole hour massage, and this is why. And she slaps down on the desk directions to Soderworld that were downloaded from MapQuest. Oh. And on the sheet of paper, it, it shows that Soderworld was located at Route 83 and Nielsen Lane with a big circle and an X. And she says, look, I went down to Nielsen Lane, and there's nothing there but a wooded piece of property and uh, and some some houses on a cul-de-sac. I was actually knocking on people's houses asking if this was Soder World. And one lady said, no, I think it's in the shopping center up on 91st Street, which was a good quarter mile away. And uh, she says, and I, that's why I'm late, and I want my whole hour massage. I said, okay, ma'am, that, that's fine. It'll put us behind a little bit, but I'll call MapQuest. We'll see if we can't get that changed. She goes into a massage. There was a guy sitting in the lobby waiting to pick up his wife from her massage. He jumps up, and he says, hi, Eric. I know you, who you are. I was a Sox fan. You don't know who I am. My name is Joe Justin. I'm from REMAX Realtors. I overheard that conversation, and I got to tell you something. My company, Remax Realtors, is the listing agent Holy for that property that she talked about. And you're going to be shocked. I personally have sold that property twice already, and both times the deal fell through because it's considered a wetland piece of property. There's a creek that runs through the middle of the property, and there's a pond in the back. And they won't let you do anything on a wetland piece of property. But for you... The front half of the property is really all you need, and you build a nice place, and then maybe, just maybe, they might let you build a walking path or like a little Garden of Eden or something sure. out back. And I said, you know what? That's a great idea. It, timing couldn't have been any better. So make a long story short, he, he got me hooked up with the bank. We offered the guy about a little more than half of what he was asking for, and he took it. I was much to my shock because he wanted to retire and go to Florida and the deal, he had already sold it twice and it fell through. So he was anxious to get rid of the property. And so we bought it and I told the landlord, you, you know, I followed up on your suggestion and uh, <laughs> it's going to take, it's going to take a few months, but to build the place, but so give me a month, a month until we build the place. And he did. And my mortgage to the bank at the end was $5,250. So for, for about 400 bucks. 400, yeah. $450 more a month, we now had this beautiful property, a beautiful A-frame log cabin building that was built on there. And the, the outside looks beautiful. The inside feels comfortable. It was so much better than the shopping center for a little over $400 more a month. Oh, that's great. So there we are. And then we've been, that was 97. And so we, now it's, uh, you know, 20-some years later, and we're still going strong. And your first customer was Jimmy Pearsall. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? <laughs> what the hell is this, Eric? This, 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 this sucks. <laughs> yeah, he would probably find something. Bad well, Eric, this has been a, a this a is real wonderful, joy. man. This has been really fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. And if people want to find Solder World, how do they find it? Uh, so just go to SoderWorldWellness.com and there's pictures of the places and all the activities we do. And 
you can actually just go to solderworld.com and it'll probably come up too but you'll don't use map quest the internet it's yeah. an easy it's an e- it's an easy uh, place to navigate on our website and so you can even book appointments right on the website so it's uh it's a great place and um um i feel like i've um kind of found my right. destiny if you will you know, I, I tell people many times i i I'm more proud of creating that place than I am making the major league. Well, and you're making and you're making a difference, and that's you know it's uh, you well, know, uh, good good karma. Thanks very much yeah. for being on the show, and we, we wish really you the best it. of luck with this. You're welcome, guys. Good luck with the podcast. Thanks, Take man. Take it easy. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, I could listen to this guy tell stories all day. Um, what I love is just he sounds like a just a really great guy. Yeah, you know and. I bet he's got some other stories that he did not he share does. on the podcast, but we'll have him on again, maybe. That Jimmy so. Pearsall story yeah, is... It, never heard it. It's fantastic. That could be my favorite story that has ever appeared on this show. Yeah. So thank you, Eric Soderholm. And next week, we've got Emma Clark, voice of the tube. Mind the gap. Hey, before we uh, close it up, I want to uh, express um, some sadness and, um, well, sadness. A good friend of ours, Steve Coward, passed away Yeah. right before... Um, Okay, a little choked up here. Uh, right before I left for London, in fact, I found out about it on the train actually going to the airport. Uh, Steve Carr was college roommate of mine and yeah. buddies of us or from when we were in college. Much uh, good vibes, health and happiness and all that to his, their families as they go through this. Um, yeah. So this. Really, really sad to hear it. Yeah. Um, so, but th- special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasana with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards, O P P I H shows.com. We've been distributed by Ed Silla, the Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it's just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. If you'd like to know more about Rick and Dave, you can check us out at Eckhart's Press, everycubever.com. Uh, you can also uh, check us out uh, at chicagoauthorsolutions.com. And if you're You'd like to email us. Manu- yeah, don't bother. I'm you know what? Don't. Yeah, don't email yeah, us. Screw you. You can follow us on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I'll do that. Dave is our, our Twitter junkie. And we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of Minutiaman. The proceeding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opi Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Coming to the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and friends. That's us. I'm Kimmy. I'm Sam. And I am Tommy right here. We're going to talk about Florida men. We're going to talk about paranormal stories. We're going to talk about uh, city stuff. Sex talk. Sex talk. And sex talk. And yeah, sex talk will come up. But only if it's brought up. We got to keep that on the DL. So come meet your new friends with and friends on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, RadioMisfits.com, and Opie Production.